Okay, I think we're recording. Yeah, it's showing me one, two, three. We're four seconds I, in. Fuck. I don't believe you. Oi! No. No? Wait. No. Hi. Ship's going down. Oh, oh boy. Okay. Damn. Hey, get to start recording yet. Hey, do you know what Koi is? Uh, I don't know. I'm not Koi, not white. So. Wait, shit. You're not Koi. I wanted to interview Koi. <laughs> Dude, the amount of like just ridiculous things that you could probably very easily imagine happening to me went on right before you texted before uh-huh. and you you were brushing your teeth. I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I was brushing my teeth. And he was I was like, Oh, 20 minutes. Yeah. That's, that's enough time. So I cooked six eggs, but I had to like clean the pan and do all that stuff. And I looked down and it was like, wait, you clean the pan. Don't you know how to do it? You huh? do, you make your eggs. And then you put the pan under the water and you let, let it soak. It needs no, to soak. No, I mean, it was, it was a pan that I'd used to cook a steak earlier today. Uh-huh. Oh, you needed to. Yeah. Okay. So I cleaned it. And then. Wait, why did you clean it, though? That's nice taste. Eh, it did. That's just flavor. That's free flavor. Some other organisms that I didn't necessarily want. Did you know that I use pans two days in a row, sometimes three without cleaning them in between? Is that a bad thing? I'd... Maybe. Should I not do I that? that? I thought <laughs> so my thought process is that like you're gonna kill all the things when you like heat it up again, don't you? What? Wait. So you dry your pan in between? Yeah, it's like oh, there was steak in there yesterday. I don't care. I'm gonna use it right now to fry some vegetables. Oh, you're talking about the pan still. Yeah. Wait, where were you at? I thought you said pants. Just, <laughs> oh, yeah. Said. I mean, pants. <laughs> pants you can easily wear for like two weeks. Talking about underpants, like there you like maybe three, four days. That's a good amount. It's, right? We could call that an optimistic limit. <laughs> I did work and travel in New Zealand and we had exactly like provisions for one week, which meant seven under pieces of underwear. And if you're traveling in a camper van, you're sometimes like not doing laundry for a while. So there were times where I was wearing the same underwear for like five days. I think seven <laughs> or eight days was the max. Yeah, I've definitely had stretches like that, but I try to not make it um, normal. A thing? <laughs> a day-to-day <laughs> I thing? Try to not be like routine about over a week at a time. And Well, think about it. It's so much more efficient. You go into the shower, you take up your take off your underwear, you shower, and you just pick up where you left off. Yeah, and not to mention you'll never be distracted by possible mates when you're working. So you'll get so much more stuff done. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and no, Correct. <laughs> and and no girl will ever want to touch you, which is again another removal of distraction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's a win-win. Done. Think about We've... it. We've solved the ultimate productivity crisis. <laughs> anyway, well, let's go back to the eggs. <laughs> I want to continue the egg conversation. Oh, the eggs? Oh, yes. I know you're heavily invested in this topic. So I, I, I like scrambled six eggs and I yes. got them and they're all ready. And I was like, oh, it's going to be so nice. I'll just wind down and get ready for all of them. This will be so great. Oh, yes. 7.58. How about that? My call is at 8 p.m. Uh, yeah. So I ate the eggs. In two minutes? Faster than you can believe, but I'm pretty sure you very much can believe the speed at which I ate the eggs. And then... <clears throat> I Didn't was... you do some competitive eating at some point? Wait, let's not talk about 
<laughs> the time is behind me now. Um, then, oh, wait, I, I can't like, hear you right now. Oh, you cut out. Oh, yeah, that's what's going to happen. What's happening? I oh, think you're back. Oh, my God. You're back. Wow, that was long of, one of the longest periods. Really? That's a new record, I think. Yeah. How is the video still intact? I don't know, right? That's so fucking It was so weird. clear, too. It's, so, so I think this is my theory. The internet here, I have very good upload time for Bali. I have like four megabits, but it's like very inconsistent. So sometimes it like, it like just drops for a split second. And some services can handle that somehow. They like bridge that gap of data missing. And some services, they just don't. And they have to reconnect fully and re-engage. So that's my theory. Apparently, Google Hangouts can handle it better than Zencastr can. Can we, for a moment, touch on the, I have really good upload speed for Folly. It's four megabits per second. Wait, that's pretty shitty. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. That's, pr- that's, that's pretty that's, fucking bad. That's right. <laughs> Wait, uh, Don't you do YouTube videos and stuff? Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> that might be slightly important <laughs> for a digital nomad. <laughs> More megabits. Jeez. Uh, wait, wow. where were we with the eggs? Okay, so you... <laughs> I think the, the eggs... Finish this, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so how I think it's going to go down. The egg oh, conversation God. will be kind of like the 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 thread that's going to continue throughout this whole conversation yeah this is going to be <laughs> our we're end, the like two, two hours two hours at the end of the conversation we finally finished the air conversation <laughs> <laughs> we just went off on a hundred tangents along the way yeah i mean i just made like i got it and then realized that i didn't have the macbook and i was like oh that could be a bother and so then i had to get the ipad together and i was like stacking all sorts of precarious things and then yeah you know, oh, have two programs open at once because I'm professional and I was like <laughs> second and then here we are. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was there was very quickly consumed eggs. Mm. How were they though? They were nice. Put some feta and the whipping cream. Oh butter. my god, I love feta. Have you ever done here's here's a great tip what goes alongside it? You put some cherry tomatoes in a pan. You, you put it up very high so they start to caramelize, right? Then you put this in... This is the symbol for caramelization, I take it. Yes, yes. Caram- That's the gotcha. sound it's going to make. Because there's a lot of water content in the tomatoes, right? So you heat the pan very highly and then you put them in. It's like... That's what's going to happen. And then you caramelize them a bit. And then the next step is you pour in um, red wine vinegar to the def- de- what's the word the de- uh, flame it or something like there's a special word for it but anyways that will obviously like that will nature? loosen up all no that will loosen up all the caramelized <laughs> stuff on the bottom of the pan so it's going to go in the sauce and then you put in some fresh garlic just a little bit maybe half a clove and then or you let it like oh, all of them yes yes that goes into the whole like underwear thing garlic breath it's just it's just continuing there and um, that's what you're going to put on the side of the feta and the eggs let me tell you it will blow your mind how simple it is but how amazing the flavor is 
You just got to make sure that you that you get flavorful tomatoes. Sometimes you get tomatoes where it's literally just water. You want to get the sherry tomatoes that actually taste like tomatoes. Make sure you you make them nice and caramelized. And then, oof, yes, I want it right now. We got to stop the podcast now. I'm going to go <laughs> make some cherry tomatoes. <laughs> sick. sick. So, by the way, I don't think yes. just this before recording or on recording. We did get through the egg situation, so that was important. But do yes. what do I what say again? Is there a cue that I was decided for having this wonderful call with Sire Overlord Egg himself, or was it just Yeah. So thanks for being here. Um, you are Koi, and I am Finn. And this <laughs> is our conversation on a podcast talking about eggs. I actually want to continue the conversation that we had before. <laughs> We went on the podcast. Um, some dog was pooping in the sea. And, oh, um, Joby. Joby goes to the beach. Yes. Yes. It is, I, I want to watch that thing now. It is a divine nugget of the Webernet. That it is. Very is it like, is it animated? That. No, no. This is, this is a real <laughs> thing that someone subtitled phonetically and just made infinitely better. Like wow. the subtitles for like, just, uh, I can't explain it. Like I can't do it justice. Well, you, you kind of made it very exciting to me already. Like Exactly. And this is like one, one thousand. That's, that's not doing. Okay. Wow. That's not doing justice. I'm so yes. hyped right now. You don't even believe it. Okay. Yeah. Doby goes to the beach. Joby. Joby. How do you Joby. write that? Uh, J-O-B-E-Y. Okay. Gotcha. Anyway, um, <laughs> thanks for being here, Koi. We actually <laughs> talked, did we talk two days ago? Yeah, two days ago, right? Two days ago. And before that, we didn't talk for January, like four or five months. It like, was what the too hell? damn long is how long it was. Do you know what I realized? It's the problem with like posting too much on fucking Instagram. Because for me, it didn't feel like we didn't catch up for four or five months because like I was seeing what you were doing, you know, like I was seeing your Instagram stories here and there. I was seeing your face. Yeah. And so I was like, huh, I know this person. Well, that's funny. But you have to consider, is that a bad thing or is it a good thing? Well, I guess that's an interesting question. Depends is on it- what you want to optimize towards, right? Like if it's just about I want to be... I want to know what my friends are up to, then it's a good thing because now you don't have like to hop on a call every fucking two weeks and ask them, <laughs> Hey, what have you been up to? You just like watch what they're doing. <laughs> but on the other hand, it's like very passive engagement, right? Because like, yeah, I can write some comments on what you're doing. Um, but it's not really like a back and forth like we're yeah. doing now, you know, like I couldn't have like an egg conversation with you through that, which is like something I missed. Like when I thought about you know, I want to catch up with Koi again. I thought, like, I really want to talk about X. Who is a good person to talk about X now? Oh, God. What was X? X. 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 Yes, X. Wait, what other word is there that you thought it would be? I thought you said, like, X as in a variable that you had not. Oh, and, uh, oh no, no, no. X. X. Yeah, teamed yeah. by curiosity greatly. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was cool. And you told me like two days ago that, um, you burned out. Is that correct, sir? 
That's fun. Burnout, flame out, slam into a brick wall so hard you obliterate the brick wall and then just sit in the pile just staring at the sky. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I, told, <laughs> I told you already that, like, wait, I think someone's at the door. Give me a sec. Oh, oh no. Ask me. I can help, says the back. Oh, Finn's running to the right of the screen now. Oh, boy, I kind of want to narrate this. I feel like he was held at gunpoint. Oh, no, he's come back. Maybe he was held at gunpoint, but then he was just... He brought tea or something? Did you just get it's robbed at gunpoint for tea? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was someone, ah. he said, like, give me all your money, and I said no, and he said, okay, cool, I'm going to try the next door. Sick, okay. That's what happened. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, actually, I always make coffee in the morning, and I use, like, their shit to do my coffee, and then I always forget to bring it back. And so literally every time they come in, they're like, <laughs> knock, knock, Finn. Um, you got our coffee. <laughs> I'm like, oops, my bad. How many times does it happen? Oh, like probably literally every second day. <laughs> yeah. I think they're kind of like, they, they now settled with it. They're like, wow, this German maybe, dude is just stupid or something. Maybe they find it endearing. Yeah, maybe. I think they just find it annoying. This is part of your relationship with them. Oh, <laughs> like, that could be possible too. <laughs> um, no, but going back to that thing. So when we, in New York, you had very weird sleeping patterns. I remember that. You were pulling <laughs> a lot of all-nighters. You were staying up very late sometimes. You were often not sleeping long. And, like, to me at the time, it felt like, huh, apparently, like, he has this thing figured out. Like, he has his own <laughs> kind of rhythm. And um, apparently that was not the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just took a really long time for it to break. But it did. Um, yeah, I've been doing stuff like that since like, I think the first time I did my first productive orient or productivity oriented all nighter was when I was like 12 because I was like wanting to edit a video and I had Windows Vista Movie Maker and like a flip yeah. camera and I had to like figure out something. So I was like, I'm going to just do this until it works. And then I saw the sun. Um, <laughs> and, but it was it was really interesting. And what I didn't realize until very recently that I started to do like very sparsely when I was like really young. So like 12 to 14, but then 14, 15, 16. Oh, oh, we back. Hey, we back. Hey, when did I cut out? You were doing it since you're 12. Yeah. So I guess I'll just go slightly before that. So like the first time I did it was when I was 12 and then I very sparsely did it after that. So I did like, maybe one or two a year from 12 to 14 and then 14 gotcha. into high school was like part of the band program, which was a thing. I was taking um, science classes at like double the speed because my dad was a physics teacher. And so I wanted to like get to physics by my sophomore year, which is when he planned to retire and like go teach at college level, something like that. Uh huh. Um, I had like five science, five years of sciences by my sophomore year in high school done and so sometimes within that being a procrastinator, I would like procrastinate everything to like the last week or whatever of a quarter of the year. Cause we did it and we did like grades in nine week intervals. And then I would like, Wait, isn't that how everyone does it though? <clears throat> I, I, uh, like hmm. deadlines. 
Like I, I know all of my friends in college who have to write their thesis. You literally have like six months for it. Everyone does it in the last three <laughs> weeks. The thing was with this though, is like, you, I wasn't supposed to do it in the last three weeks. I just would somehow knew how to convince all my teachers to let me turn in late work. So I'd literally turn in like an inch thick stack of work at the end of every quarter and get like half credit on most of it and get a B in the class or something. <laughs> it, was like, it was really ridiculous. I remember one time uh, my senior year, actually, I took my grade in economics in the last three days of the semester. I took it from a 3% to a 7 uh -huh. 7%? 70? <laughs> 76%. A 3%. Oh, over a nine-week period of assignments to a 76% in three days. <laughs> like I mean, that's called batching work. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what other work I was batching to the intervals before that, but, you know, at least yeah. I did. But needless to say, like, I did, I made all-nighters, like, sort of a staple of mine, but they were still sporadic enough that I never, like, out, like I never overused them to the point that they stopped being effective until this past year. Gotcha. What I didn't realize until recently was that when I did it for school, I was sort of cheating my ADHD in a way, like finding a backdoor. And essentially I was putting myself in this very similar to normal environment, but yeah. with subtle things that made it very novel. So the utter silence of all my friends on the internet very weird you could refresh facebook as many times as you wanted and nothing would pop oh. up um the fact that it was night was like ooh, it's night yeah at night and like stuff like that Something dangerous like you can pick and choose whatever nuances you would like but ultimately the amalgamation of all of them was like a novel experience that teen my curiosity when i'm curious about something or curious in a certain environment i like laser focus in which was the only way I passed school. And um, so I would do that within this past How year. For you? Because like I, I used all-nighters like a couple of times when I first came to New York. I was just staying and that, that was the best thing, dude. The Apple store on Fifth Avenue, it's always, <laughs> it's open 24-7. And so I pulled there, I think, two or three all-nighters in my first month or something or first two weeks, which was cool, but like, how did you did for me i just didn't want like i had the same experience i was very productive in those hours because everything was silent mm -hmm. but my next day was just so shitty like i would crash i would feel shitty i would feel moody i wouldn't get anything done on that day anymore what was that like mm -hmm. a thing for you uh yeah which led to the second problem which was incredible levels of caffeine tolerance um, oh. so in my junior of high school, so 16 years old, I would pull all nighters and I would do like maybe one month or th one to three months out of the year, you could find me doing two all nighters in those months. And the next day I would go to school with like uh, Red Bull. Yeah. <clears throat> and then my senior year, which we all know is very good for your health. Yes, incredibly so. Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, there's, you know, just get the sugar free version and now you're like, you're doing something good for you. No, right? no, no, no. Mama Wait, is no piss. I was a 16 year old drinking a 24 ounce Red Bull. I would take two with me. So I'd have two of the largest can of Red Bulls that you could buy 
take them with sick. no idea what caffeine content was in them, which actually they're lower than bangs, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think the 24 ounces probably would have had like 250 milligrams or 300 milligrams. They have other ingredients of me. And you said the coffee has like 80. So it's like three coffees per can. Yeah, I think so. Like three. So you drank six coffees. Yeah. So as a 16 year old, I was unknowingly drinking about six to eight coffees, like in a day after an all nighter. What about this? Isn't there like a different stuff they put also in there? Like taurin, taurine or something? Yeah, there's a bunch of different things. Like vitamin Bs have nootropic effects and that can increase awareness. And uh, there's like L-theanine, which is sort of something that works synergistically with caffeine. But uh, the caffeine was like the bleepizable part of that. And that was also the most predominant active ingredient. (laughs) So my junior year was like, sort of getting bad. My senior year is where it really kind of took a turn because I was um, doing college apps and college apps for music includes recorded performances. Oh, so, apps are applications? Yeah, so college apps. Yeah, yeah. So I'd pick 10 schools. Um, I think my list was like, uh, I won't bother to recite it, but basically these schools would have pre-screenings, which is essentially a courtesy that you have to at least send them a video so they can tell you whether it's uh-huh. worth and money to fly to the school to even oh gotcha so so you have to record these pre-screenings depending on what school it is and i think the ones that required it that year was juilliard um uh eastman school of music and new england conservatory and it was only those three because i applied to curtis too but they didn't have a pre-screening um but so those three schools uh, required pre-screenings and I got past two of them and didn't get past Juilliard because I didn't finish it. But the problem was I kept, like I was recovering from this embouchure, like facial injury that messed up the mechanisms of playing like with the muscles in my face. And so I was like trying to cram recovery into preparing the repertoire. And so I pushed off the repertoire because I was like, all right, I'm staying with this routine. I'll be stronger by then and I'll be able to record all this stuff. Uh-huh. And, um, Lo and behold, you don't like instantly progress that fast. So I ended up. Well, no, I was like, it's so. You don't, really, you don't progress that fast. <laughs> not as fast as a snap. Molly <laughs> Wi Fi, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but essentially, like, you should record pre screenings, like, starting at the beginning of the summer. Like, if you have uh-huh. parents that are really on you or a teacher that's really on you, that's probably when you start. Most responsible. Kids will start at the end of summer. I started three weeks before the deadline, like started them and writing the essays and stuff. So I would like skip school to go to a park to sit under a bridge in my car and write an essay on my iPad. And then like go back to school to like check in with band because like that was the one thing that I always had, like you couldn't Hmm. give an excuse for like missing band because musicians are musicians. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, and then I'd like go home, work on the essay, pull the all-nighter, go back to school the next day, make up like AP theory homework in the math class before that I usually slept in, have two 24-ounce Red Bulls, and then like crash that day and then do it again the next day and basically like alternate this for two weeks or something. And the result was I actually did got... It, did, it, did it ever occur to you that that's not healthy? <clears throat> yeah, but I think in some way that motivated me. It was, it was like the mentality... Happened last year too. It was the mentality of like, if I'm gonna do this to my body, I might as well make it worth it. Uh huh. You no, know? um, which is maybe great 
not on a regular basis. <laughs> do you, do you, did you get um, like identity from it? Because I think a lot of people um, like the whole like sleeping four or five hours a night, like a lot of people take pride in that. And it's like, yeah, like I work so hard. I only was, sleep five hours a night. It was certainly a thing. And I, I, I don't think I placed it until you mentioned uh, the insight about watching me over the course of last year. But um, there was definitely a sense of like looking around the, like when I go to AP music theory, having written my entire like 120 measure composition the night before, like yeah. people sitting on the ground, like next to my piano, cause I couldn't hold myself in the seat and like, Whoa. like subpar composition go on, like trying to remember what augmented six chords were like, as I'm watching the like ones that I miswrote into the piece, <laughs> just days yeah. like, this, Those fucking this, augmented six-bar chords, dude. They get me. <laughs> they get me every time. Well, I so that now I understand what they are, which is convenient since I've just dropped out of music school. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but like at the time, there's all the thing to you. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, it like, oh, oh. all makes sense now. Great. <laughs> Hopefully, I remember that over the next seven years. But I uh, there was certainly a sense of sitting on the floor, like in the class with a general sense of conf like pseudo concern, slight wonder, maybe yeah. disappointment from the, like all the other students in the class that were like, what are you like, how do I think it was anything that garnered a, how do you do that reaction? I was like, yeah, silently proud of, um, and yeah. probably still am to a fault, but, but yeah, that's definitely, yeah, my senior year was like the worst of all too because I didn't take the classes very seriously because I had already made the resolution the year before that I was focusing on my rehabilitation of music because I was dead set on studying music. Um, and the in my junior year, I had like a, a setback with my face and like an injury. And so having to relearn in that time, I basically had to look at two options, which was focus on your schoolwork and playing well, that was really focus on your schoolwork and sacrifice the practicing and the playing or focus on your playing and sacrifice the schoolwork. Yeah. If you're going for a music conservatory where yeah. you can get, like, if you're good enough, you get let in with like a 1.7 GPA, if that's even possible to graduate high school. <laughs> and um, so that, that's high, huh? I don't know one, how GPA is. Oh, okay. So in America, a 4.0 GPA is like the pinnacle of existence. That's straight A, uh, grade 100%, okay. whatever you want to call it. And then for every letter grade below that, it goes down by a number. So three is a B, two is a C. Yeah. <clears throat> and that would be... Well, so you don't classes. even need a pretty good, like, great. I had a 2.9 when I graduated, which was generally... That's pretty good. It was pretty pitiful, actually. <laughs> like, it's it's not oh. a to C in American classes. <laughs> and, gotcha. But basically what happened was <clears throat> I decided that, like, if I was going to study music and apply to music conservatories where 90% of the application's decision is placed on the performance. Yeah. I could have the best grades in the world, which I wouldn't given the three years prior to that, but I could try to, and it wouldn't make a difference if I played like, yeah. so the only way I got it, that was a smart decision. Yeah. I mean, it was the, the not smart decision was to try and take lower level classes to like, be easier classes, which I found out is not how that works. Um, uh -huh. They're just insufferable. I remember 
I, I started thinking that would be a good idea in my junior year. And I went into a class called Math for College Readiness. And I distinctly remember this one instant where it was a day in class and the entire 45 minutes of the class was taken up by the teacher just trying her best to explain the concept of slope to a senior. What's slope? Like, slope is like if you're looking at a graph, like how many up and over. Oh, okay. So this was like a senior in high school about to go to college. And I remember sitting there. Oh, it's just y divided by x, like the difference. Of exactly. Y divided by so like if, oh. if you go 0, 0 to 1, 1, the slope is 1. And she just could not fathom that. And I just remember sitting in this class like this was easier, but I'm, I'm honestly like. You're like, God damn it, I'm surrounded by idiots. I, I, well, it wasn't even that. I was just like I hated life so much that in the problem with being in a paradigm like that is like you feel guilty if you learn something uh -huh. you know you're like you spend all this time you're like so when it finally comes time to you being introduced to a new concept and you actually have that sudden feeling of like oh shit i didn't know that then you're like ashamed that you didn't already know the curriculum of the class that you're taking to learn so uh -huh. like that doesn't that didn't work and i still tried to do it in my senior year for some reason that was the baddest the, but I still would say that the decision to sacrifice the grades for practicing. So, so let's tie that back to your sleep again. So you sacrifice sleep to be able to like do all the, the tests and applications well, for those. Yeah. So essentially I was, I didn't have an explanation for why I just knew that I was an order of magnitude more productive while doing an all nighter. I didn't know if that was because of the guilt of like sacrifice. Do you actually or... think that it's, that is, is that also like true, like quantifiably it's, or is it the thing where, you know, like drunk I drivers would say like, was I drive better when I'm drunk and like everyone no, no, no. else like, no, you don't. And they're like, yeah, I do. Like, I'm telling you, I'm the best <laughs> fucking driver when I'm drunk. Are you sure that's a thing drunk drivers say? <laughs> I drive better. Oh yeah, there are lots of drivers. Don't you know that? I think it's especially drivers who are like a bit like, nervous when they drive and oh, then when that's... they drink they're like yeah 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 i'm the best driver dude no 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 i can drive i'm actually driving that's... better when i'm like slightly drunk <laughs> and it's like you're an idiot that's so fucked i didn't know that <laughs> and now i'm terrified to hear that this is happening around me remind me to never go on a public road again um but <laughs> don't go anywhere ever again yeah i'm just gonna walk and through the I... fields yeah <laughs> It's going to practice my parkour. And, but, and take a horse carriage. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> just, take, just take a horse from now on and ride through the fields. Or we even, I completely lost just, my train of thought. Just, just imagine like this random like thing you say, and it's like, remind me to never use public roads again. And then from now onwards, you literally never use public roads again. <laughs> You're like, what was that pivotal moment? And it was like, oh, my friend told me that people sometimes drive drunk. And so it was and like, I think never they're better because of again. <laughs> so I got myself a horse and now I'm riding through the fields to get anywhere. <laughs> and through people's houses and living rooms. <laughs> I'll be fine with it. What were we just um, talking about? Are I don't playing? know, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, that whether you actually think that oh, okay. um, yeah. you were actually more productive. So, yeah. So to quantify this, a good example would be the, I don't think you've ever seen this, but I have a, like back burner project called 
the gap year summit, which is country mm -hmm. about like, it's my first attempt at a feature length documentary. And it's all about the trip that I took to Scotland that like changed everything yeah. about my future. And the reason that ultimately precipitated in me dropping out me meeting you, me meeting my co-founder, having the idea for Sprackle in the first place, growing my Instagram yeah. to 24,000, even though it churned, which we can talk about later, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but we all did. <laughs> and, um, essentially the summer after the trip because the trip happened in May. So it was at the beginning of the summer of May, 2017. Was it? May, yes, May 2017. So that was my gap year. So yeah. actually, in a nutshell, if you don't know, what happened with schools was I auditioned at 10, uh, got callbacks to three, and got into zero my senior year of high school. Um, I like got past pre-screenings, had like semi-solid auditions, but couldn't pull it enough together in a year since my injury. So gotcha. here to practice, stayed in Tallahassee, which was... Uh, yeah I mean there wasn't really any other options but if there were I would have taken them <laughs> so I stayed in Tallahassee Florida uh, practiced for another year had lessons with a bunch of my idols around the country and like used some money that I invested into AMD and NVIDIA when I was like 16 to do the trip at the end <clears throat> Interesting. So the funny thing about the gap here was that I auditioned to 12 schools I think uh, showed up and re-auditioned like in person, got past the pre-screenings for three or four, got into zero. <laughs> nice. Twice. So, so I was, <laughs> as understandably slightly massively depressed by the end of that process. And because um, I remember, because like the, the audition was coming together really well. And then I had something trip me up in my very first live audition on a Lonnie Grandal piece. And that like petrified me. Oh, I got my retainers off. That's what it was. I had Invisalign and they like, uh -huh. they put anchors on every single one of my front teeth when they gave me Invisalign. The whole point of getting it was so that I'd have flush teeth to practice with. So uh -huh. they put, like, they like cemented these flipping like retainer. <laughs> and they're just super spiky, like as hard as your teeth bone things pointing directly outward. So when you place your face on the mouthpiece, it just cuts in your lips. So you have, uh. that's what happened. So they, they ground them all off. And then I had to relearn how to play in like two weeks, had my first audition, totally shit the bed. And then that like scared the life. Oh, gotcha. that you were traumatized. Yeah. So the, and that was the very first audition of four. So all the next four ones, I panicked, changed my repertoire to something that isn't even technically tenor trombone repertoire. Um, but I got it approved by all the professors played it. And they were like, I mean, you played really well, but it's, it wasn't a demanding enough piece. Like it doesn't have any high ranges for bass trombonists and you're auditioning for tenor. And I was like, Oh shit. So anyway, that happened. Didn't get into any schools. Um, and the trip was to console myself. So I went on the gap year trip, filmed the whole thing was going to make the, it, it was Scotland. Scotland. Um, so I had a few idols that lived there. But mostly it is like the UK in general is, I don't know if it's the birthplace, but it's like the current Mecca of street trials, which is the type of biking that I do, which is a very niche style. It hasn't really been popularized since 2009. So uh, you play the trombone and the, the style <laughs> of the, how to play that trombone comes from the UK? 
No, 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 no. So this was completely independent. So after the audition experience, I like couldn't stomach to think about music for a bit. So to like cheer myself up, I took my dream mountain biking trip to the UK. Oh, you mean the style of mountain biking is from the UK? Yeah, yeah. So this is okay. called Heat Trials, and it's essentially the mentality of the style is you can get onto or over anything. Period. Like that's the goal. Um, so even the wall of China, probably at some part, maybe I don't know. There's guys that can. Uh, I think I even saw the some- Mount Everest. <laughs> How about that? Visible. Perhaps not. Although I'm going to send you a video by this guy named Fabio Whitmer after that. <laughs> well, oh. <laughs> this guy who did it. Funny story. <laughs> no, it wasn't Everest. That's cool. Essentially, um, there's like street trials and competition trials, and competition trials is like the ultimate form of get onto or over anything. And in competition uh-huh. trials, people like Jack Carthy bunny hop onto something that's eight feet tall. Like they'll be on flat ground. There'll be something that is eight feet tall. They will Wait, ride eight feet is like a three, two, two and a half meters over your head. What yeah. the fuck? How is that yeah. even physically possible? Because trials. Uh, so essentially what they'll do is like, they'll do something called a hook where they like bunny hop off the ground high enough. Like it's still a high enough vert jump to get the front wheel over. They hook the front wheel and then like Mario double jump to the top. That's like the kind of shit that goes on in trials. I've been trying to figure out how to do a hook for like seven years, still can't figure it out. Six wait, wait, years. like like they, they hit with their front <clears throat> wheel. So there's a wall that's eight feet tall. Yes. So they like and then they they, they so they speed up, over. right? Like they, they yeah. take like they speed up. So it's like pedal, 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 jump. Yes. And then you just magically somehow end up on top. And I haven't worked what? out. With that front wheel that first touched the wall on the like vertical. No, the front wheel has to go over. So you have to bunny hop the bike high enough to get the front uh-huh. wheel. And then when the back wheel hits the, the side of the wall, you use that to like catapult yourself up. Oh, so, oh, got it. It's ridiculous. What the fuck? It's- People can do pretty crazy things. Okay. Yeah. So you went there to mountain bike to Scotland. That's why Scotland. Yeah, so the reason why it was Scotland was, well, it wasn't necessarily primarily Scotland. It was even split between some place called Southampton in the south of the UK and then Glasgow, Scotland, which is where two of my, like, biggest mountain biking idols lived. Um, Gotcha. It was funny because I had actually, the whole idea was stemmed from, like, watching a YouTube video seven or eight months before I took the trip of someone climbing up this mountain called Ben Loman and then riding down. I was like, That'd be cool to do one day. And months later, I was like, fucking depressed, let's go. <laughs> so <laughs> like, took out all of my Tesla, AMD, and NVIDIA money and bought a budget airline trip to the UK, found some people to stay with, um, downloaded Couchsurfing, which was an interesting app, despite I didn't actually end up using it in the end. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that trip was... In New York. Oh, did you? Yeah, I, for two weeks I slept at this guy's house. He was 50 plus years old. He lived with his, with his mom. All the windows were um, like covered by blankets. So it's not even curtains, it was blankets. <laughs> so you walk in there in this apartment. It smells like I don't know what. Everything is dark because he darkened <laughs> the, the windows. There are like three cats around. Oh. And... Um, 
the place I slept in was like, it was like a, um, how do you call it? It's, it's, he, he built it himself. It was like, um, the closet and then above the closet. No, not the closet. Um, what, what's, what's that thing called? You put your clothes in closet. Oh, okay. It's a closet. <laughs> oh, wait, that thing with the drawer? Yeah, yeah, like stuff. Oh, there's like chests of drawers. Yeah. Anyway, above that, he put a mattress and like a curtain in front of it. And then a, le- a, a, a ladder, ladder. And then you walk up there and then you sleep there. So I slept there for two weeks. Two. I, I don't. I don't know what. Two <laughs> Most. Uh, I thought you said two there. days at the beginning. I was like, "Wow, that's a stretch." And then, oh no, no not two. Two <laughs> Not bad I at all. I think most people walk, would walk in there and it's like run away. I don't know how I slept there for two weeks. Yeah, there was some the weird. The bathroom was disgusting. I literally <laughs> just went there at like eleven p.m slept there, got up at like 6 a.m. and got the fuck out of there. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, that's that's a fun couchsurfing experience. Yeah, I was looking at some listings. There was like, couchsurfing has some, you'll see dudes that post on <coughs> couch. Like, uh, the only, t- like, only females can stay. And like, some of them, there was like, only females can stay if they sleep with the host. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? That Wait, so that's weird. loud. No, I, it doesn't say that in like oh. literally. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I see. But what it you just mean. says yeah, yeah. what well, actually does say: literally is. sleep. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's some creepy shit for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, where? Oh god, this is oh. <laughs> so the eggs. I'm gonna just try and be elemental about this. Basically. Did the trip, recorded a, a whole bunch of shit, and then tried to edit it over the next three months. Over the three months, I got, like, basically fuck all done. And then in August, I was like, I'm launching this August 1st. I'm going to edit this thing, and it's going to be out by August 1st. And by this time, it wasn't supposed to be a feature. It was going to be about 30 minutes uh-huh. long. And um, I had tried for, like, two and a half months to edit things just, and just didn't have the attention for it. And then I bought, like, six cans of Red Bull. And then pulled like three to four all-nighters in a week and just locked myself in my room. And I edited like 18, not 20, but I think it was 16 to 18 minutes of runtime that was like all color graded in like a week. And I hadn't done five minutes in the first two and a half months of working on it. So I definitely can quantify that I worked better under an all-nighter. but... But is it is it the all nighters or is it the locking yourself in the room? Because there are a lot of like writers when they write a book, they literally go to a cabin on top of a hill and lock themselves. It in the was room. definitely locked, or it was it was both. So it was okay. majority of the effect was the all nighter because I didn't yeah. have. To. I remember at some point, like when I was trying to figure out like a plot point or something, it would like go sit in a parking lot. But it was just the fact that like everyone's asleep, like the world is mine. You know that sort of like. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing on social media. There's nothing because at that point I didn't have friends from every corner of the world and living in Bali. So I, when I refreshed yeah. the morning, literally nothing did show up. And um, yeah. it was almost like, this is my time. Like this is the time that is mine and no one else. There are many times like it, but this one is mine. 
Like, I don't know. I, I don't mean to romanticize it, but it feels kind of special at some points when you're like in a flow state doing it all oh, night. For sure. Yeah. And, um, but now I'm in retrospect trying to think of like, well, now that I know that it's most likely not the fact that it's not exclusive to an all nighter. It's like, mm-hmm. for me, it was invoking a wealth of novelty and maybe some like guilt motivated work because of the sacrificed health or things like that, like accountability things. It was more than just the fact that it was specifically an all nighter, but an all nighter brought them all together in an effective way. So now I have to figure out how to reconstruct the same effect without it being an all nighter or anything else that involves consuming 600 milligrams of caffeine the following day. (laughs) Okay. So just to kind of wrap that up. So you did that. A lot of all-nighters, a lot of caffeine, and then, like, things started to, like, crumble apart. Um, actually, it wasn't like that at all. It was like everything was full steam ahead, and then suddenly I woke up and couldn't do anything. Like, okay, I... Like, it was, like, from one day to, to, to the next kind of thing. Yeah, I think it was very distinctly the day after we did our first user test. We, um... So last year was all about trying to find a co-founder in the school year. So like semester or uh, semester, September of 2017, all the way to like April of 2018, I was going to every coding bootcamp graduation I could trying to like, like spam LinkedIn or like figure out how to do that. I made an AngelList account. I was just trying to find anyone that might be a good candidate for a technical co-founder because I don't know how to code or program. And I'd also heard that like, if you don't know how to code, like you don't want to be a sole founder for this. Like you want to yeah. Yeah. prior experience. Um, so then I started like, well, I don't have any success so far in looking for these co-founders or talking to people. And then someone was like, well, what are you offering them? And I was like, equity. And they just sort of <laughs> like, well, how are you describing the project? And I was like, oh, I'm just describing it. And they're like, do you have any like prototypes or anything? Which is a really obvious question, but I was like, uh, prototypes. <laughs> and so what happened then was a head down period where I stopped for co-founders and learned how to use balsamic. Um, mm-hmm. Prototyping the first iteration of like the user experience, user interface of the app. Actually... I for, always forget which one it is. I think it's user experience. It's like the literal functions of the app, like how you get from point A to point B, what buttons you use, the flow of it. Are. And then user interface, I think, is the design prettiness of it, pleasant colors and things. But they may be reversed. Anyway, I was doing one that wasn't things. Um, what Balsamic is, is literally a program that's designed to make it look like it's drawn. So you don't obsessed over oh that's not perfectly symmetrical or like uh oh, that's one pixel off oh like, that's interesting okay yeah it's actually really helpful for someone like me who coming from video is extremely detail oriented to a fault where i can't actually pull myself out of the details to view it as a useful holistic sort of prototype so i needed something yeah. that details out of it for me and so i started prototyping on balsamic um then i found a few people uh, after that that I met with, they weren't really grabbing onto anything, nor did I really feel like they were going to be good fits. 
But at that point, after like eight or nine months, I was like, anyone, please just have some enthusiasm. And um, like people would have an idea, but as soon as I'd be like, so you want to come on board? And I'd already told them like, I don't have any money. And <laughs> they'd be like, oh, no, I needed a job. So <laughs> yeah. Um, and then one thing led to another. I went into prototype one weekend, was super late, met you at the Saturday meetup. And wait, no, not the Saturday meetup. No, 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 not the Saturday. Meetup. Yeah, this uh, 393 pop up right after the Saturday meetup that I'd missed that week. Um, yes. For those that don't know how the story went, I went there <laughs> to meet John Hill, who I did meet, um, but. There was a line behind him, and the reason I wanted to beat him is because he's like the ultimate user for the app. So I wanted to like maybe see if I could make contact. And get yeah, feedback. maybe if we explain that also, like just say in one sentence or two, like what your app is. It's called Sprackle. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so Sprackle is essentially my effort to create a new home for adventure sport athletes or enthusiasts, rather, because I'm I don't really consider myself an athlete, but anyone that loves to do things like skateboarding or BMX or parkour or scootering or any variant of those things, um, they used to revolve a lot around forums. And when the world became mobile centric, forums died. And yeah. did all the community structures. So now everyone's just sort of on the street by themselves and they might run into each other, but there's no direct way to be like, who else does this in my city or in my town or in wherever? Yeah. Like if you, Finn, saw a skate riding down the street, and I was like, Finn, let them get around the corner, let them disappear. Now go find them on social media. Like, what? What? What are you? What are you gonna do? <laughs> Ask Siri. Hey Ask Siri, Siri, what are the names of those people who just ran by? <laughs> right. But here's the sad thing: like, I no one would expect you to be able to get in touch with them. But if I was another skateboarder, I have no advantage over you in getting in touch with. Yeah. Them. There's no like. So that's kind of a tragic reality because there's just a lot of misconnections and we're trying to solve that. But also right now, at least I can tell from like the biking perspective, I think for skateboarding as well, um, we, we go around all the time with these amazing computers in our pockets that can do many, many things. And all we ever Wait, use- Wait, you have a computer in your pocket? I yes. only have a phone. Why are you also carrying a computer? <laughs> well, like, so we have these like incredibly advanced- tools in our pockets and riding a bike you're almost only ever going to use them for playing music so i feel like there's some you know there, there's a bit of a deficit there's in, more potential in it yeah and so we're building out some tools that we think won't be invasive to the experience of doing okay. these but will ultimately serve to augment and expedite these so so sprackless to connect like fellow mountain bikers and skaters and scooter scooters yeah. It's and, to um, build their communities give and to give find them others, other like-minded people. That's cool. So yeah, yeah, so you went, okay, now back to the Saradici meetup. So yeah. you were building that app and then you went there because John Hill was there, who is a, a skater and who does like Instagram and YouTube stuff. So also and an Zeta, which is important for the app. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. And um, so uh, I had actually gotten in touch with him before he responded to my DM and this was when I, this is pre-Koi meeting Finn. I had like 1,600 <laughs> and I DM'd John out of the blue and he responded and followed me. And I was very confused by that entire thing. Um, uh -huh. And I found out the pop-up shot was happening and I was late to getting the prototype. So I was like, what the hell? 
I'll go see if I can get a conversation with him or something. So I showed up and there's understandably a line to get to him. And yeah. line right next to me was someone named Sean King. Um, uh-huh. or Instagram. And we start yep. talking stuff and, and we get into stuff. I'm like, what do you do? He's like, oh, I do dance and videos and, and things like that. Cause that was, you know, that's what he prefers to do. And so that was his first response. So he asked me what I do. And I was like, oh, I'm working on this app for stuff and, and things like that. And he was like, oh, wow, you should really meet my friend. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it was like sort of in my head, but well, no, no, that's not when he said it. He said it at dig in. So then we were, I guess we were just shooting the shit. We were just talking all the way up the line. We got to John and we talked to John for a bit. Um, then, oh, he pointed out you. And this was before you had shaved your head on accident. That was before the haircut. That's the <laughs> error. That was before the haircut and after the haircut. This is the, the prologue <laughs> of the legend. Yes. <laughs> and um, so we, we talked to John and then like some more of the meetup happens. They go around talking to people and eventually he's like, oh, I'm part of this like uh, Saturday creators meetup thing. Um, it's run by that guy. And he says, we're going to lunch. Do you want to go with us? And I was like, I'm being invited to some thanks, Jess, please. <laughs> <laughs> and like in the midst of that exchange where I was distracted by John or something like that. And so we, you actually ended up leaving us like you and everyone else, which was really cool as it turned out because me and Sean then walked to the dig in and I walk in to see like my family, you know, oh, like yeah. people around a table <laughs> with fucking gorilla pods and cameras pointed at themselves. That was like, <laughs> I'm home. <laughs> These are my yeah. people. <laughs> I wasn't even doing a vlog at that point. I just love video. No one in my school at the time was into it. So I was like, yes. Yep. Uh, and then I had the, um, I had the idea at the table, which wasn't fully thought out. Cause I didn't realize it have to basically, I, I, I asked everyone like, Hey, well, since we're all here and we all have cameras, you just want to like introduce yourself and pass the camera to the right. And everyone's like, yeah, I didn't realize when I said that, that that meant we'd all have to introduce ourselves like 10 times. <laughs> with every camera. Yeah. I just now, thought and like, everyone did that. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> so so everyone did that. And eventually Sean was next to me and someone passed him a camera and he was like, Hi, I'm Sean. I do dancing videos and things like that. And I'm a computer science student at Seton Hall. And I was like, I know that school from Tinder. It's six miles away from me. What is that school? <laughs> Wait, what? Th- these were all thoughts, by the way. It wasn't just like I didn't turn to him and start saying that. But like I'd recognize the name. Because of Tinder, because what else do you expect? And uh, <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's interesting. And he had just a computer science student, and like my spidey senses tingled, and I was like, oh my programmer, God. programmer, programmer. So I turned around, I was like, you're a computer. I don't think I was subtle about it. At all. I was like, did you just say you're a computer science? <laughs> and he was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, do you want to? Do go on a Tinder date? Do you want to? <laughs> yes, that's what I said. No, Bumble Biz. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Bumble Biz. Like, well, would you have any interest in doing Sparkle? And he was like, ah, um, I was like, damn it again. And what what his actual response was not a no. It was like, a, well, I probably wouldn't be the best person for it, but I have a friend who's like a savant at coding, and he would be like, you'd be the person I need to introduce you guys. And I was like, okay, that person ended up being Will. So yeah, that meetup all through the summer took like a couple months to get started. We all figured out our roles. We 
Sean was added at one point and then we figured out that we didn't really have enough things to do for three people. So Sean went back to like full time doing his videos and stuff like that. I learned about how to incorporate, how to do vesting schedules, sort of um, took two tries with us. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we like putts along the summer, but eventually I got back into prototyping around July after we figured out all the more administrative things. And then from like the beginning of July, when I got back in Tallahassee, uh, from like going down to see family for a week, all the way to the end of August or early September, it was just like six hours a night of sleep or less. Like, I think I had set a ground rule when I got back. I was like, I've been keto for a year. I've been doing fasting. I've rested well for the past couple weeks. I have a, a budget to work with with my health. So there's no reason I can't do weeks of only letting myself sleep between the hours of 12 and six. That didn't mean making myself sleep between the hours of 12 and six. That meant that that was my only window of opportunity. If I so chose to sleep, it could only be that. Wow. So, and the thought was like, Elon, <laughs> Oh God, it sounds so misguided now because it is, but essentially I was like binging Elon Musk videos to find inspiration in Tallahassee because that is the most soul sucking place. Uh -huh. I could ever no, no offense if you live there. Um, but, um, yeah, fuck you, Tallahassee. <laughs> so I... Uh, what you going to do now? I, I remember coming across something, and Elon Musk had an interview where he mentioned that he was drinking six to eight cups of coffee a day and eight Diet Cokes, which was like the most caffeine you could get. And he was doing that a day for a year until he said he started to lose his peripheral vision. <laughs> <laughs> and then he stopped. <laughs> but I was like, oh, so I could force myself to do this for two weeks. I'm not going to die. What's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is you get caffeine addicted unknowingly and then continue that for three months is the worst thing. Um, well, nice. Yeah. So I was having like bulletproof coffees. I was having um, sugar free Red Bulls at the time before my friends at SoFlo turned me on to Bang, um, which doesn't have aspartame in it, which is nice. Um, and yeah, it was, I, I recorded most of this too. I think I have, um, oh, I do. I have a journal up. I think it's like number five or six and it's called return to form. And it was the first week that I got back in Manhattan and I'm in Christine, who's my birth mom's apartment, sitting on the couch, describing what it was like to like sit someplace. It was either in that apartment or somewhere else, but sit somewhere and like look at a wall and just have everything like the full cliche, like vision goes in and black and tinnitus. And then it comes back. What the fuck? And I was describing it. And then I recreated it in the video using premiere. It basically like the camera looking at me like vignettes, it's blurry, goes black. I use like bars and tone to simulate the tinnitus that I heard. And then like come vision comes back. And I, and that was just from the like caffeine and like sleep de deprivedness. And that stuff. was like day four into this. And that was purely from sleep deprivation. Um, and then I got back to New Jersey and I was starting to do stuff. And I, I, I did hold of this, I think, for both of the weeks. But then what happened was I just got rid of the whole 12 to 6 idea and just sort of tried to sleep as little as possible. Because I still had this like misguided thought that I was working on a budget of like bonus health that I generated over the past year, which is not how that works. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe with weight, but like that's 
on every other level that is false and i never said it out loud so i didn't really realize at any point how stupid it was um but i went through the rest of the summer and i just like plowed through and the thing that like finally did me in was the user test and so like we had organized uh at a pork core gym in brooklyn a user test with someone that worked and instructed at the gym and we had booked the third floor which is like an event space so that we could have room to set all the laptops and all the camera gear to record him using the phone to record his facial reactions for like if he got confused or something um and sean michael who jay introduced me to yeah who has built and sold a startup in its early stages he gave me the protocol for like a really foolproof user test, which is essentially get two people in a room. One person gives the instruction. One person writes the notes. You hand the person the phone and you don't say anything to the person for 120 seconds. Or is it 60 seconds? I think it's 60 seconds. First minute of the user test, you like tell them that this is going to happen, but you essentially start the user test by saying, all right, we have an app. It's for, you don't tell them anything really about it. You just sort of tell them why they're there. So like we have an app yeah. we want to, it's for you as a user. Um, we're testing how you get around, how you react to things. We won't be able to tell you anything in the first 60 seconds. So we're, we're all going to be silent. Try and work through it if you can. After that, if you have questions. Gotcha. So we give them the phone, set the timer, start all the cameras. Well, we start all the cameras, give them the phone, set the timer. <laughs> and it was actually really amazing how it went. Like I, the app at this point, like literally Will was in the car next to me as we drove through the Lincoln tunnel on his laptop coding in notepad. And then he copy and pasted the code into Xcode to render it to like, I, I, well, video terms, render. I don't know what to build it, I guess, compile, whatever. Yeah, compile, I think. Get it onto a phone for this user test that happened like an hour or two after we were driving through the Lincoln tunnel. Like that's where this was. And the night before, no, no, it would. Oh, he was coding in the Lincoln Tunnel all the day before. So we then stayed in Chelsea with my birth mom. I slept on the floor for like two hours, and Will didn't sleep. He was like coding all night because he was coding an iOS app in Swift on Xcode on a PC. Problem <laughs> has very proprietary software. How do you do that? You emulate Mac on your PC, and he's on like a school laptop. So he's using a school laptop to emulate another operating system and on that operating system using a pretty demanding software and then emulating an iPhone. So he's got like two emulations within each other. And this PC is like just holding on for dear life. And so what he would have to do is he'd like write some code and then he'd have to wait like 15, 20 minutes to test it properly. And then he could write more. And then it was just like got to a point where he started just writing in notepad. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. And so, uh, so the user test happened. Yeah. So basically that, that was the process leading up to that. So it was a all nighter before I slept for two hours. He didn't sleep. I booked it to yeah. the parkour gym. And I think we had the user test about 4 PM lasted 15 minutes. Then we, we asked him some questions after that. It actually went amazingly well. Like he figured out some shit that I didn't expect that things that I wasn't even pessimistic about not expecting him to get. But it was something that, like, there would be a tab bar that was completely unlabeled. Uh-huh. And he figured it out. There was no icons in the tab bar. It just simply divided the things. And he, like, had no problem just working his way through. I was like, what? I This is better than any of my expectations. And usually these things go very much the other way for me. Um, so I was, like, super pumped. And we were at the parkour gym. And we got comped that day. 
So we got open gym and Will's like a got it tricking and parkour and basically everything athletic. So he was like doing like quad quirks on the camp uh, trampoline. He did a triple backflip on a trampoline. I don't think he had ever been on a trampoline before. What the fuck? He landed on his savvy. neck and his stomach at the same time, but well, it and uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what? yeah, he stopped, he stopped after that, but he did send it. <laughs> it started from going, from going like, this is amazing. To, yeah, you almost died. Yeah, well, no, the funny part was he actually hit his head like pretty hard on the wooden wall behind him. <laughs> More <laughs> that on a double backflip. Keep in mind, he hasn't slept in 36 hours at this point. <laughs> he was like, I was he slept in 36 hours. He did a double backflip, hit his fucking no, no. head on wood, and then hasn't he's like, slept, let me try this again. Hasn't slept in 36 time. hours, hasn't ever been on a trampoline before. <laughs> Olympic trampoline. Sends double backflip, catapults itself into a wooden wall like behind him. <laughs> And then he's like, and then he was like, hold my beer. <laughs> and he almost dies. Well, wow, hold my amazing. phone. I got to record it. It was very great. So he did like one and two, and he was spinning so fast that he like opened up, like he couldn't hold onto his legs. So he untucked, which slowed him down. And then he just went like neck stuck. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. But he's made out of some material that we don't have on Earth. And so he's totally <laughs> rubber. Yeah. And then, okay. Um, now going back to your, um, yeah. So that was the story of the first user test. It was a great success. I was super amped coming back from it. I was like ready to get back to work. I was like, Oh my God, yes, that went better than I could have ever imagined. Like, yes, I can't wait to do more of these. And like, it's going to be so easy to build the app because all the feedback was super useful. Yeah. Both verbal and nonverbal. And so what happened then was we all got in the car. I was in the Subaru at the time and we're driving back. We went through the Holland Tunnel on the way back, went through Jersey City, and I got a shot of Will who had earlier been saying something about like, yeah, yeah, you just get to a point where you just, I just don't feel like I need sleep. And then what I did in the vlog was like cut directly from that to him being deceased in my passenger seat. <laughs> Face against the window <laughs> in, the, in the Holland Tunnel. It was really great. Um, and I dropped him off, went back to my apartment. And then I remember like since then, it had just been... Like when I tell you impossible, I, it felt truly impossible to initiate any task. Um, like my already pretty weak executive function, which said another way is execute if function, um, you're like prefrontal cortex predominantly, like I'm already bad with executive function. Like I have to trick myself into doing things or like give myself weird incentives or accountability protocols, and then I can do something, but I can't just willpower my way through just about anything. And it was like times a thousand for the next five or six months. I, um, I would like anything from waking up and turning off the alarm and staying awake to learning something to getting off my phone or to prototype basically any productive thing, like literally anything productive. If I looked at something and I was like, gonna write a script for a video, I just like couldn't sit down to do it and would leave. If I went to leave the apartment to like go get groceries or go like pick up something or ship something out for the, um, I remember I, I snapped the pedal at some point on my bike during this and got the spindles warranted and they were gonna send me new spindles if I sent out the old ones. But then eventually they ended up sending the new ones, asked me to send out the old ones, paid the postage and I just never did it. Cause like, 
I'd take the thing and I'd be like, I'll do that an hour. And then just never came back to it. And it was like so ridiculous that I have, so I have two phones, uh, one for like all my work stuff, one for personal distraction stuff. So that way it sort of compartmentalizes the distractions. I also have uh, an analog alarm clock and I have a digital alarm clock. That's like an analog clock, but a digital beep. At one point I was setting up three alarms throughout my apartment to like try and trick myself awake so that I'd have to, it would be like one would be on top of a door very precariously. So if I fucked up, it would like drop and break and I'd be sad. So like one would be on my desk, like hidden in all my camera gear. So I'd have to like turn on the light and like see it and try to find it to turn it off. The next one would be on the door of the uh, like linen closet across from my bathroom, like on the top of the door. Then I had to reach up and get that. And the next one would be like the loudest one in the living room. So I'd have to go in the living room and turn it off. And it didn't matter what I did. I couldn't stay awake after that. Like I would turn them off and like I could try to deploy any amount of willpower. I tried leaving energy drinks at the third alarm. I would like do anything I could think of. And without fail, like if this was at, if, if, if it was set at 4 a.m., 6 a.m., or even like up to 8 or 10 a.m., I would turn them all off and then like zombie walk back to bed and crash for another five hours. Wow. Yeah, it was like that for four months. It was hell. And um, for four months? Yeah. Well, eventually I just gave up and I just started like not setting alarms, which was both good. Oh, yeah. Bad, because what ended up happening with the alarm situation is I was so fucking stubborn that I just kept doing it. And then I realized like I'm sleeping. 15 hours a day, except seven of those hours are really shitty and useless. So like what would happen is I take a phone back to my bed, right? So like the phone would be in the living room. I grab the phone when I wake up, like in the zombie walk when I was supposed to get up, take it back to my bed, like sub like half consciously set another alarm for 20 minutes later because for, I don't, I couldn't count how many times I thought I was actually going to wake up 20 minutes later. So I set another alarm. I go back to sleep. That alarm goes up. I like snooze it, open it after the snooze goes away, set another alarm. And I would just keep doing this. I can show you the amount of alarms that have resulted from this. It is ridiculous. Okay. I know it's counterintuitive <laughs> to what we've done until now, but we got to skip a couple of details because I, because I got to bounce. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> So, um, you burned out, yeah. you, you hit the wall, didn't really know what was happening. And then things started to make sense in December when I did a water fast attempt. So I went to do a yeah. hour water fast. I failed at the 36 hour mark because I didn't know that by embarking on a water fast, I was also depleting the caffeine intake, just opening up a whole wealth of caffeine, which all symptoms which are very unfun. Um, the only thing I didn't have was headaches, but everything else. So like unable to leave my bed for like a 30 hour period. I remember I had at some point the worst details. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, someone has to do this with me. Cause you know, how I am. um, basically caffeine withdrawal withdrawal yeah. symptoms. So, did a water fast, discovered I had massive caffeine withdrawal symptoms, ended the fast part of it, but haven't consumed caffeine since. And I think that was early mid. Nice. And that's about a month ago now. So since then, I've been slowly trying to build routines because I, I started like 
getting back into learning once I had my executive function back um, and attention from my like shot adrenals and cortisol levels. So <clears throat> read a book called Atomic Habits, which I strongly recommend. Gotcha. Um, read a book called 10% Happier by Dan Harris about mindfulness. And it's essentially a, a non-spiritual guide to meditation. Out of those things, a few things indirectly or directly became apparent, which was out of Atomic Habits, at least, if you have a habit, what that is, like in a mechanistic sense, is your frontal lobe has initiated a task enough times in the same way. Details, too much details. Oh, God. You cannot even. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Okay. Basically. I keep saying this pretending like it's going to help me not be fucking... Give, give me your elevator pitch of your burnout. Okay. So essentially do habits because they make you think better. Um, <laughs> when you form a habit, that means you no longer have to think about the task, which means you have more bandwidth. Yes. The things that you need to have willpower for. You yes. A lot of willpower, you have to spend it wisely. The other thing is... Well, I don't know what to tell you about a meditation book. It's good to. to <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so what are what are now the the new habits that you established that you that will get you out of that? So okay, let's kind of recap. You did a lot of like, you did a lot of too many all nighters, which you then compensated with drinking more and more caffeine. You yes. did not realize it actually. You did it more and more. The actual benefit of it decreased because now the excitement. And the like novelty of have drawing like pulling an all nighter. Yeah, the, like the moment I said like, like oh okay, well next week I'll pull an all nighter to do this. The moment I said that I was fucked. Like <laughs> yeah, novel is officially mundane. And yeah, and um, like like for me, like a couple of things are very interesting. It's well, the main thing is like that it took you so long to realize, right? Like for me, that's scary. Because it's like, that's how I thought about it, right? I told you that already. Like when I was, when I was, did it just knock at my door? I, maybe? I'm going to check. Okay. No. <laughs> Aww. No, there was no knock. Um, what was scary to me was that, like when you were doing your habits, like I already thought like that's kind of like interesting. But um, you were like, I mean, you especially, you didn't seem like depressed or something. Like you were, when we met, you were like, no, I wasn't. That. Yeah, and so it's just scary to me that it took you so long to realize, you know, this sleep, the caffeine, the executive functions. Yeah, essentially, like, I've had depressive moments before, but I'm very, I use metacognition a lot, so, like, I would know what they are, find the root cause of them, which was usually sleep deprivation, sleep for 15 hours and be totally fine. Through this burnout process, Depression wasn't really ever an issue. There would be some very slight moments of like existentialism, but mostly it was just the torment of not being able to do anything. Like I just could not do anything. And that like in its own right was a bit depressive, but yeah, I, yeah it's weird to think that it took seven years to hit that point from my first all-nighter. Fucking seven years. Well, no, it was August. So it was like, you know, roughly seven or eight years. And okay. Even with that considered, it still took a hell of a push to like go over the edge. So like, I don't know what my life's going to become in the next couple of years of now knowing this, but I can only imagine yes. how much less it would have been if I didn't. So, so, so now you're basically on recovery, right? Yeah, right you're now like, I'm 
I am super low level on everything. Like all, I'm not tasking myself with any level of things that you can't count on one hand. Gotcha. Very much back in everything. I'm trying to slowly instill daily and weekly rituals with stuff. Because the more of that I can do, the give me like three of them. Like, well, for instance, like this isn't one of them, but well, like it, it was before. So, but if you have to think about like what time of day am I going to brush my teeth? Because it isn't preset at the same time. That is thought that you're spending on brushing your teeth. And if it's not habitual, you're going to be like, all right, well, like, I guess I could do it now. Okay, I'm going to do it now. I need to do it now. I'm going to do it now. Like all that thought has been spent on, I'm going to brush my teeth which shouldn't be. And that's the whole Yeah. So so what are you now not not spending thoughts on anymore? So like I, how much how much are you sleeping now? So I'm trying to sleep every night and to do this I've literally put it in my calendar and set notifications. So I sleep from 10 to 6 for sleeping. Yeah, it's in my calendar oh my like fucking sleep every day. Sleep. And it's from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. when I wake up. That's the same time I sleep. Oh, nice. Uh the first thing I do is turn off the alarm and open all my blinds. The next thing I do, and by the way, every night I have my router on a switchable outlet. So I turn off my router. So in the morning I use uh, a 10% happier app, which is like gives guided meditations because I'm a meditation noob and I need the guided meditations. Um, but it's also easier because as an entry level to the habit of meditating, all I have to do is open the app. Hmm. Tap on the app, it opens up, guided meditation like takes me through. After I finish that, I have another app called Ramwad, which is um, a subscription-based daily stretch routine, which is really important. Too many details. Okay. <laughs> Do range of motion exercises. After that, I turn on the router and then sort of start my day. And I do the least um, sporadic things first. So if I have to write a script or if I have to prototype yeah. or I like that. That all happens first. But it's yeah. I call it deep work. Have to like stick to it for a long time. I'm trying to not make it complicated. Well, then <laughs> let's let's follow up on this and see whether you went back into your old <laughs> routines or if we're gonna have a recovered, fully executively functioning koi. I mean, I think in. one thing that is important to say about this is it is hard yes. to do nothing. Yes. I feel like right now I could go back into how I was in August, but that didn't do me very well. <laughs> so no. like it's a big amount of self-control that I am spending right now is on taming the ambition. Like I, I know what I can do when I'm like really just pulling every ounce of effort out of my body, but I yeah. it ultimately ends in basically five months of not being able to live. And so right now, like the biggest thing that I'm having to do is restrain myself on things like starting a new company for freelancing, starting like other things, like all the same, I get the same barrage of ideas that I want to tackle and having to say no to every single one of them for the sake of instilling this routine so that I don't combust gotcha. by the time I'm 25. That's the hardest part. Yes. But I don't think it can be overlooked. So as much as I hate to cut this off um, so, so abruptly, because I do think this is like a very, very important topic, because I mean, just the fact that it took you so long to realize and the fact that this can have very, very like negative like things on your health. Um, so I appreciate like you like walking through that process. And I'm very curious to like kind of like 
then after the after you know you you see like what works for you to kind of establish these routines like what actually worked and kind of like how you can get back into like full productivity while not like fucking destroying your health anymore <laughs> yeah which will be interesting but on that note <laughs> Are we going to go? How long did I hold you over? Well, I usually think about an hour, but I always put more in just if something happens. But I literally have something right now. Okay. But but that's fine. Like, we had a good conversation. And that's what I like, dude. Like, I want this to be more of a, like, random conversation. And I, ju- and I also mm-hmm. learned more about, like, you know, your background and how this all went down.